Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line from the weird sex thing department, it's my sister Marissa. What are you doing with that microphone? Uh, that poor guy. <laughs> I mean, if you think about sort of the practicalities of this, he was brought into existence for this job, right? <laughs> Assuming that it works the same as how the demons worked, how we know, like, via Michael, that demons work. I don't know. They can move around different departments, right? The demons? Yeah. Yeah, I guess they like, can. Um, What's-his-face? Trent gets... He, right? he transferred out, and now he's in toxic masculinity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's got that good stank. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I assume that... I mean, who was... Maybe they'd have to make a new entity to take over weird Honestly, sex things. With the amount of uh, files that this guy has, like he, they should have multiple people in that department. Like, well, time is time is Jeremy Baramy, though. Remember, oh, you know, there's yeah. it's kind of outside of time. That's true. Anyway, we're getting a little bit of ahead of, ahead of ourselves. I think. <laughs> the, what an episode! This was incredible. Oh my goodness i watched it twice which i usually don't do like before we record because we record pretty soon after but oh my goodness i, had I watched to watch it, it twice again. as well it was fantastic and i i like loved every single minute of it yep this is what a place to end the like season break too because this is the last episode we're getting of 2018 right before we get into the recap of this week's fantastic episode um little housekeeping up front you can find us on itunes uh which i guess is actually called apple podcasts and i've been saying itunes this whole time because i made a stand a long time ago on this podcast that i would never say apple Podcasts. okay so you can say apple Podcasts if you want find us on itunes slash apple Podcasts, i guess google play and at goodplay.cast.rocks uh if you can please rate and review us on uh apple (laughs) products um (laughs) apple properties and you can follow and like us on facebook uh we have a group called uh the good play which i know marissa after the episode was like oh can we talk about this episode please thank you twitter at the good play pod marissa uh does the live tweeting of each episode uh fun time with this one i'm sure i i saw your uh good ship chelinor gif that was great (laughs) honk 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 yeah we got a we got a lot to talk about and then gmail um you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com we We have a couple emails yeah we have an email and actually our number one ding dong, Chris, was the person who gave us the intro for Marissa. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for putting me in the weird sex thing department, Chris. That's real nice of you. <laughs> and happy uh, Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, happy Hanukkah, Chag Sameach to our our uh, the listeners of the Jewish persuasion out there. And Chris also our had... mom gave it. Did she give you this? She gave us an emoji menorah. What? She. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, she texted it to you? No, no, no. She mailed to my house a menorah in which every candle hole is an emoji head. What? <laughs> like a different one. They're all positive emoji. And there's not like a poop one. Or I was going to say, all, is there a poop no, emoji? No, no, no. They're all positive emoji. So like, there's like, 
you know, crazy tongue sticky out or like crying, laughing or regular smiling. <laughs> They're all, but what? yeah, so it's a nine emoji <laughs> menorah. I lit it tonight. I was like, sure. I'll t- sure. No. But but the candle as the candles were burning down, the emoji What's made the Shamus? Of, I don't know. It's 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 over there. I got to have to go look at it, but um as the candles were burning down the the uh, they got really far down, they like singed the faces. So oh. now some of the faces look they've like they've been horribly burned. Oh no, but they're like still happy. That's so <laughs> they're still weird. Happy. <laughs> That's so weird. Um how do we even oh Sorry. right happy derailed on a little bit. yeah and then uh chris had a question for us so we'll get to that at the end yeah you want to get to the recap yeah i definitely do because yes. i love this episode so much it was so great so the title is janet open parenthesis s close parenthesis and indeed all the humans got janet powers just as i wanted unfortunately they also got janet forms <laughs> So Michael yeah. kind of pops into Janet's void and is totally fine, but the humans pop in and they are all Darcy Garden. They are all Janet. And in, at first they're all dressed like Janet, you know, like the purple kind of romper over the blouse. And um, in order to tell them apart, although, you know, any of us watching could instantly tell them apart just from the way they talked. Right. But it was less confusing to put them into their sort of normal wardrobes. <laughs> so like... You know, Eleanor gets, like, the pink sweater and jeans, and Chidi gets his, like, sweater vest, and Tahani gets, like, a beautiful dress, and Jason gets, like, a schlumpy tracksuit. <laughs> All on Darcy Carden. <laughs> it is amazing. It is amazing. Yes. I mean, give Darcy Carden every award on the planet. I, I texted <laughs> we'll get, you. We'll get there. We'll get there. I know. But I texted you two minutes in of, like, and I was like, I'm two minutes in. Give Darcy Carden all the awards. Because just her readings of all these characters were amazing amazing so apparently and you might know more about this than i did because you listened to the official podcast but I did. she did a ton of work for this where she like really studied each of the actors yeah we can like let's i think let's save, save that, that for, for like, discussion yeah. yeah but yeah she did so you know what's going on and janet's like well when i took you into my void you know your body's you left your bodies and your essence has been reconstituted as janet and now you're in my void, which is like, you know, a place at the edge of consciousness and at the intersection of matter and being or whatever. And Chidi's like, in Janet form, Chidi Janet is like, okay, I, my stomach really hurts. Like, this does not make anything better. <laughs> and Michael's plan is to sneak from, so they can get from Janet's void to the neutral zone and get, yeah. and, and that's where accounting is. He wants to go see the head accountant. So he says, you know, we're going to go and talk to the accountant because I think the bad place is cooking the books. Uh, and which is why people, that's why, you know, Doug, that's why, um, that's why Sean is so confident that Doug Forsett is going to go to the bad place. You know, I think that the books are being cooked. Yeah. And Tahani's like, well, why can't we come? And Janet's like, well, you are the first four people to ever die and not immediately go to the good or bad place. So you're interdimensional fugitives. So. Which I have a tiny nit to pick. What about Mindy? We have to talk about Mindy generally, I think, in the, at the end. Because, okay. uh, yeah, there's definitely some questions there. Yeah. But she, I mean, I think, you know, she it, meant good I, or bad or medium, I guess. I, yeah, that's what I figured. I was like, oh, to, to like escape the system altogether. Like, right, I think exactly. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And Michael's like, P.S. Also, probably Jen is still super mad at me and I don't want her to take anything out on you. So, like, let's just keep you here in the Janet void and just, like, try to chill. (laughs) Which, yeah, that's going to go well. Janet has conjured up, like, a sofa that... uh... Right, because Jason tries to hang out on the ceiling. (laughs) There's not a ceiling of a void, but he's hanging out upside down. Chidi's like... Oh, God. Like, I just want to lie down. I don't know which way is down. And and uh, Jason's on the ceiling. Jason Janet is on the ceiling. And he goes in Darcy Carden goes, I found it. It's dope. (laughs) He's like, it's like, it's up here. It's dope. It's dope. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Anyway. So Janet and Michael go to the accounting office where they're greeted by neutral Janet, which is so great. So yet another Janet. Yeah. The thing I find amazing about this episode is that there's like, Janet being the four humans is like obviously our Janet being the four humans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're a version of her good Janet persona, but neutral Janet is like a completely different entity. Yes. Who you can almost forget is being played by the same actress. Like she Orphan Black style. Job. Yeah. She does such a good job. So neutral Janet is in like the same outfit as good Janet, but it's all like taupe. Yes. <laughs> And her tone is like, hello, this is the neutral. Welcome to the neutral zone. End of conversation. End of conversation. I read something where Darcy Carden texted Mike Schur and said, this is like DMV Janet, right? Like she called her (laughs) DMV (laughs) Janet. (laughs) That's great. So neutral Janet goes to get the head accountant and Janet and Michael see that, in fact, the four humans are wanted as interdimensional fugitives. (laughs) Great. (laughs) <laughs> do, do, um, how do you want to do you you have a, a, an exchange quoted here how would you like us to um, act this out as actors okay so back in the void Chidi Janet is processing their situation and he's like oh my god this is like so awful like we're stuck in this void and we're all in the body of a white lady and then not a lady darling and then Jason goes we are white <laughs> Do you mind if I do this? No, go, please. Okay. He goes, we are white. Let's say white people things. Billy Joel, I found it on Etsy. There was nowhere to park. Did you refill the Brita? <laughs> like, <I> just... <laughs> it's like I... a little too smart for Jason, but I totally forgive it. <laughs> but it's because it's like Janet, Jason. It's like, it's like, so, it's so funny. Like her, she does a fantastic job with everybody, but her Jason is like, um, incredible and just the the way that she kind of plays like his good-natured goofiness and dopiness is like spot on but like just the four things that he chooses to say as white people things are like <laughs> the whitest when i thought i it made me laugh every i watched that clip a couple of times and it made me laugh every time <laughs> did you refill the brita it's amazing so Chidi's still, like, absolutely losing his mind. So Eleanor is a Janet, and so she conjures him this adorable little black puppy. And Chidi's like, oh, Eleanor, he's perfect. And then J- and then Janet comes in and is like, hey, don't conjure things, because you're going to destroy the structural integrity of my void. Like, stop. And then she blinks back out to be with Michael. And he's like, I, I just, this exchange was so great. He just goes everything okay? And she puts her thumb up and goes, nope. And he goes, <laughs> and he just has this line where he just goes, well, 
and but it's too it's too late. Like the accountant is, you know, he's always supposed to be like, well, what, what are we, what, what's the matter? What are you gonna do? But like he's cut off at the first syllable. Yeah. Pet accountant comes to uh, meet them. Who is Stephen Merchant, one of the guys from the original British Office? Yeah. I had to look up his accent. It is a Cornwall accent, which is why he sounds a little bit like a pirate. I think it's a Cornwall accent. You know, I was just listening, re-listening to our Fraser episode today, and you <laughs> oh, have my obsession this thing with accents. about accents. Anyway. Well, I'm gonna re-Google it. <laughs> I listened to that podcast you recommended to me, and they just Googled uh, accents for like a minute and a half. While you're Googling, I will yeah. say that uh, Stephen Merchant's character's name is Neil, and he's holding a mug that says Existence's Best Boss, and that is yes. a nod to Michael Scott's World's Best Boss mug from The Office. So I guess he's from Bristol or something, but he's he's got that weird accent, that weird English accent that makes him sound not exactly English because he does say the letter R, so that <laughs> makes him sound a little bit piratey. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. it's fine. It's cool. I'm <laughs> going to stop obsessing about accents uh, in a few hundred years. So, <laughs> right. The, the, right. His, his mug is, is like a Michael Scott mug. Right. You said everyone, right. Everyone in the office is, is on, um, yeah, those, those old computers with the green letters on the black screen, which is the computer that we had when we were little babies. Yes. We had an Apple IIe because that is how old we are. And I played Zork on it. And it was great. Yes. And we also had a dot matrix printer in the house. I once I once had a boss who was so nerdy that when I described to him where I became stuck in Zork at the age of six, he immediately knew where it was and how to get out of it. He was existence's best boss. Yes. <laughs> so Neil, you know, Stephen Merchant, Neil, is like, there's no way that the bad place is tampering with our point system, as you are alleging, Michael, but like, we're happy to give you a tour that's fine because we don't really get many visitors so like hey okay cool so in the void Chidi's like Eleanor how did you know that this was like I would want this puppy and Eleanor's like yeah um funny story so (laughs) it was part of the 300 years of memories I acquired that um where we were like on again off again completely in love with each other and Chidi is like so uncomfortable with it. Like just the, the discomfort is just oozing off of Darcy Carden. Yeah. Like in waves where he's just like, I, this is not, he says like, well, that wasn't me. It was a different version of me, but that didn't happen to me. So it wasn't me. And Eleanor is super pissed about this. <laughs> I would be too, by the way. Yes, I know. She's totally right. I mean, she's vindicated, isn't she? Mm-hmm. So they argue about this for a while, and Eleanor's like, I'm taking your puppy away. And then she kind of, like, tries to, like, do, like, the, um... <laughs> basically the, the bewitched thing of, like, <laughs> like screwing up her eyes real hard. Yeah. But she only manages to create, like, a hundred puppies. And <laughs> she she's so angry. She's like, things are getting less, more cute, and I want them to be less cute. <laughs> right? So Neil is showing Michael and Janet the... Uh, main feed where every human action uh, occurs and, you know, appears on this, like, old, you know, rickety old computer that <laughs> has to be evaluated. The Matrix. Yes, it is. Except without those cool glyphs. It's just, like, normal. No, there were some glyphs on there. Oh, that's a good point. So, like, there's there's account- there's accountants for every... So, like, for instance... An action that's never been done before happens, which is that a man fills up a hollowed out eggplant with hot sauce and nickels. And it turns out to be, as Neil says, a weird sex thing. So it goes to 
hollowed out vegetables and American coins and weird sex things, which is like the specificity of these accountants' jobs. Like that's how that's how granular it goes. He says something like there's three there's at least three billion accountants. Yeah, so I listened like I like I mentioned or you mentioned before I listened to the podcast, the actual Good Place podcast, which for those of you who are here because you think it's the real Good Place podcast, welcome. Nobody's um, made it this far thinking this is the real Good Place <laughs> podcast. And they said that they filmed in like an old cubicle farm that was that had has been like it's still around, but it's been closed since like 2009. So they just had it had like hundreds and hundreds of desks. So at some point you see behind Stephen Merchant that there's just like desks on desks on desks like cubicles on cubicles for like a really long time and I thought that was an effect that they did and it's actually not they filmed in like a real cubicle farm yeah wow yeah but yeah there's yeah he mentions that every like new or every um, point total has to be corroborated by three billion other accountants yeah so we're talking I mean we may be talking about trillions of accountants really when you're talking Which, about every action, you know, needs to be... Because, you know, it's not the same $3 billion doing every action. You know what I mean? Like, it's nuts. Yeah. It seems, like, just unsustainable, Overkill? quite frankly. Yeah. Well, there's no... This is, like, the same thing as we talked about in the past. Like, there's no such thing as resource scarcity because there's no resources. That's this is, true. like, magic land. That's true. So when people die, their history and point totals... Um, get sent either to the good place or the bad place. And Neil's like, see, you know, we have all this, you know, all these safeguards, checks and balances, therefore we can't be tampered with. And Michael says, okay, but I want to see a file just to make sure. I want to see Doug Forsett. So we cut back to the void and Cheedy has... (laughs) um, he, he blinks away the couch that Jason is lying on, you know, sort of thumping him onto the ground and instead sets up, like, you know, academic desks and a chalkboard. Yeah. And he has, like, written all over it, like, Professor Chidi Anagonye, like, <laughs> conceptions of the self. And he starts talking about, like, you know, John Locke and uh, David Hume or whatever. And this is... Um, you know, basically, what is a self? You know, do you have to have a memory of ha- something having happened? And Jason points out that he does not remember having the word Jason tattooed on his butt. And yet there it is. Although that I'm wondering. That line reading was incredible. It was also, so Do you good. think that that tattoo is on, is on Jason Janet? <laughs> do you think Jason Janet has that tattoo on her I, butt? I don't. <laughs> No, I don't care to know. It was just so funny. She's she's just like, you know, just because you don't remember it doesn't mean something didn't happen. Like, and in a weird way, like, you know, uh, Jason, as the simple child, is correct. Like, right, exactly. You know, like, it, this is the same thing where he talks about what was that, um, utilitarianism or something where he yes the boogie board the boogie board theft i i framed who we later find out as his dad's girlfriend for boogie board theft because it's donkey duck's girlfriend you know he's like well that's not necessarily true because i don't know how it happened but i definitely have a tattoo on my butt that says jason (laughs) amazing yeah, keep in mind if you if you for some reason don't watch this show but listen to this podcast, keep in mind this is all Darcy Carton all talking Darcy to Carton. herself yes. the whole time. Yes. So Eleanor basically is like so done with all of this and she's she just like 
Yeah, she's just like, you're barfing Wikipedia all over everyone to avoid talking about your feelings. And Chidi just keeps rolling with the lecture. He He's like, let's talk about David Hume. <laughs> he can't so, handle it. Uh, in accounting, Neil pulls up Doug Forsett's file. So he actually goes and gets the book of Doug's. Which so seems it's a significant. Big, yes, it does. He gets a big leather bound book that's labeled Doug. And that's where sort of Doug's point totals and stuff are and he kind of pulls them up and neil's like oh 520,000 points that's great oh wait he's 68 years old no he's screwed and michael is like how is that possible he once found a dollar on the ground and sent it to canada to help them pay down their national debt which (laughs) is hilarious but it also reminds me of the things that they always used to say about cheaty like Chidi once tried to choose between sweet and sour chicken, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like absurd ex- examples mm-hmm. of who somebody is. And Neil just says something kind of chilling about how, like, you know, this is the math and it's objective and airtight and it can't be argued with. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, we should save this for a discussion, but like, we assumed that the accountants would be like, well, this is my job and like, this is how it is. Like they oh, don't that have... you and I sort of correctly yeah. assumed that what these guys would be like? Yeah. yeah. So Janet pops back into the void to yell at Cheaty Janet for conjuring the blackboard. And he's like, I'm sorry, I just replaced the couch with the chairs and the... And, you know, he's so cheaty about it. And Janet's like, no, no, that's not the real problem with conjuring. The problem with the conjuring is over here. And it turns out that Jason is chilling in a broken hot tub with Pillboy. <laughs> Who seems like remarkably chill. Well, but it's not him, right? It's because he says something like, I was just chilling in non-existence. He doesn't say it like this. I was chilling being nothing. And now I am. And then when Janet blinks him away again, he goes, oh, I'm not again. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like such a, you know, like a to be or not to be or like, I think therefore I am or like whatever. It's so nuts. And then, so she kind of goes back to Michael and she's just like, yo, we got to hurry up because like the humans are forking with me like pretty yeah. bad. So, so Michael's like, okay, we're on the clock here. We got to get back to the void because the humans are destroying Janet's structural integrity. So like, okay, quick, just like show me anybody who's gotten into the good place in the last year. And Stephen Merchant does an insanely hilarious amount of typing before he's like, yeah, no, there's nobody. And he's like, nobody got in in the last year. Okay, fine. The last three years. And it's like hilarious amount of typing. Oh yeah, there's nobody. And Michael's like, okay, how how many years has it been since somebody's gotten in? And Stephen Merchant is like, tippity 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 tippity, five hundred and twenty-one years. And Michael's like, what the what? Yeah, the look on Michael's face is like, yeah, it's like just betrayal. Yeah. And Janet's like, oh my god, like I am, (laughs) like things are not going well inside of my void. (laughs) Yeah. She's, like, fragmenting. So, um, this this is hard to explain. So, <laughs> Cheedy and Jason, Cheedy Janet and Jason Janet are sitting on a couch, and Jason's like, Cheedy, you just gotta tell Eleanor if you don't have feelings for her or whatever, if you don't like her. And he's like, it's not really about me liking her or not. And Jason's like, well, let me tell you a story about my 80-person dance crew. And Cheney's like, it was a 60-person dance crew. <gasps> you're not Jason. You're Eleanor dressed up in Jason's clothes. And she's like, oh, dip. What are numbers? But, like, it's too late. He already, <laughs> yeah. he yeah. already figured it out. And 
Jason is over dressed up in Eleanor's clothes and he goes, I'm Eleanor, I'm Arizona Shrimp Horny. And, and Eleanor's like, I don't talk like that. I'm Arizona Shrimp Horny is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and Eleanor starts really, really losing her cool. And she's just like, this is exactly the person that I promised myself I would never be. I opened myself up. I became vulnerable. And I started chasing a man around just like I swore I never would. And uh, Eleanor pops into the body of it looks like a very short, young Indian-American woman, I think. I think so, yeah. And, and, and as that woman, she says, like, ugh, I'm so pathetic. Like, stupid, Eleanor. Stupid, stupid. And cheaty Janet is looking at her like, oh, no, this is really bad. Yeah. So Janet comes in and is like, what is going on? And Eleanor's like, oh, so Chidi can freak out about his identity and nothing happens. But I freak out and I'm starting to, like, just dissolve the void. And Chidi's like, yeah, but freaking out about my identity is my identity. (laughs) So and Janet's like, Eleanor, you know, just remind yourself of who you are. Just like laugh at somebody falling over or something. Yeah. (laughs) But she's like, I got to go. Like, you know, like, take care of this. Yeah. Uh, Simultaneously. Jason Janet and Tahani Janet, who don't have much to do this episode, no, are kind of wandering around the void, and a little dotted line, a little computer-generated dotted line tells them which way they've come from, because it's a void. There's no way back if you don't know where you've come from. Yeah, I thought that was helpful. Yeah. And this gigantic flat screen, an air-mounted flat screen, as Jason puts it, sort it's of descends out of nowhere. And... Tahani says, oh, this is where Janet stores all her information. And Jason's like, oh, great. Uh, cartoons, cartoons. And it doesn't do anything. And he says, you know, TV, play cartoons for Jason. And it just searches on Jason. And what pops up is her, like, wedding album. It's like her save the day, like Jason and Janet's from the first reboot. Yeah. Or the first instantiation. Their wedding album, their... Um, the If you notice, did you notice the... Jeremy Baramy with the point on Jeremy Baramy where the wedding happened, like with an arrow to it. Oh no, I didn't see that. I have to watch yeah. it again. <laughs> and uh, Digital Get Down starts playing the song that was like their wedding song. Yeah. And Tahani's like, I think you guys were married. And Jason's like, oh, this TV was a wedding gift. It all <laughs> makes sense now. Like, oh, geez, Louise. <sighs> so back in the accounting, Neil is like, saying to Michael, like, well, okay, well, if there's nothing else, and Michael's like, if there's nothing else, nobody's got into the good place in 500 years. The bad place has hacked your system. And Neil's like, how dare you, sir? You know, if you have a problem with it, go talk to the good place committee. And and Michael lo- kind of makes a face like he doesn't know. Yes, exactly. He I was going to say that. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. And Michael's like, oh, God, if they're not going to fix it, who will? And Janet's like, you, Michael. Aww. It has to, yeah. Do you want to read her quote? Oh, I don't have it. Yes, you do. It's oh, in the notes. yes, I do. Look at me. I'm, I'm super prepared. Yes, Michael. Uh, Michael's like, ugh. Like, who's gonna fix this? And Janet says, "It has to be you." We keep wandering around these different realms, expecting someone else to have the answer, but no one ever does. You're the guy, Michael. You're the only one who can fix whatever's wrong with the afterlife. Now, marbleize me like yesterday. Yes, <laughs> because. Her void is breaking up, and, and, and Michael's like, well, what's going to happen to the humans if I marbleize you? And she's like, I don't know, but if you don't do it, like, we're all going to basically go out in a fiery blaze of glory. Because Eleanor's psyche is breaking her void down. Yeah. So 
we cut back to the void for the climax of the episode and of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Where Cheaty Janet is confronting uh, Eleanor, who is just cycling through random different bodies of all ages, genders, races, you know, heights. 40 extras for this. Wow. 40 different, or I guess they're not extras, they're like day players. 40 people for this. And they start off all being dressed in Eleanor's outfit, the pink top and the jeans. But as as she gets worse and worse, the clothes just devolve into like whatever the person kind of came in wearing. You know what I mean? Like just like random button down shirts or like a dress or whatever. Like, so she's, she's getting further and further away from herself. Mm -hmm. And as this is happening, Chidi's like, okay, you need to remember who you are. So let me tell you who you are. And he starts just sort of narrating, like, you know, you came down to Sydney to make yourself better. And that was very brave. But the nice things are, are, arguably few and far between and are interspersed with a lot of like hilarious horrible things like you may remember better than i yeah so like i mean he starts off just giving her like sort of like you were born in phoenix yeah Yeah. biographical information you know and then it's sort of like the stuff that we all expect to know about her like your favorite food is shrimp scampi right and um then it's like then it's as marissa said this sort of like uh comical these like comical things that are like you put uh, Britney Spears down as your uh, <laughs> emergency, emergency contact. contact in a like long shot way to meet her. Your favorite movie is the clip of John Travolta saying Adele to see. <laughs> um, but in the middle of this, he's also going, you know, you came to Australia to make yourself better. And uh, that was really brave you're very strong. You're very and he smart. Says, yeah, you call you me came- a human snooze button. <laughs> yes, that's a great one. And he says, you know, you came to me when I was drowning in despair and chilly. And, chilly. and, and you saved my life. You basically saved my life. Yeah. And he and he's just he's just reciting all. It's like it's like eighty percent hilarious slash horrible things and twenty percent sweet things. And finally, he says, and your worst nightmare is someone standing in front of you and saying something nice about you. But I have to because and then and at one point as he's in the middle of this, you know, he's, she's getting further and further away from herself. But there's this one moment. I'm sure you caught it, Brianna, where she goes back to being Janet for just a second yeah. in the in the pink top. Yeah. And she just shouts, Chidi. But it's like cut she, off. It's yeah, it's cut yeah. off. Right. She's she's into that body and then she's out of it before she can get his name fully out of his mouth. And it's and so this point, affecting. At this point, a lot of the extras are crying. So like when you're cycling through as it gets like further and further into the monologue, he's like getting more desperate. And the people who are cycling through, a lot of them don't really have expressions. But then as they get closer to the end of it, some of the extras are crying. And also at the same time, the void is breaking down around them. Like yes. the white, it's like it's like pixelating into into like magical yeah, the void light beams and stuff. There there are no walls, obviously, but it's like deconstruct. I thought it was very clever the way they did it. It's sort of like ripping apart and deconstructing. Right. Yeah. So finally, you know, she just says, you know, I have to do this because, and then he just takes her and kisses her, and it's this very weird thing where. First, it's Janet kissing Janet, mm-hmm. which is very uncomfortable because it kind of looks like twins kissing or something. It's just like, ugh, right? And then Eleanor 
leaves her Janet body and becomes Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a second of Janet and Eleanor kissing, which I am 10,000% sure is going to be screen capped and gift on Tumblr. Well, if Tumblr survives this horrible thing that they're going through right now until the end of time. Especially since earlier in the episode, um, she, oh, Eleanor yeah. said that she would tap Janet. Yes. I mean, Eleanor is is not even bisexual. She's like omnisexual. She's like pansexual, pan-sexual. personal pan pizza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then one second later, Chidi leaves his Janet body and turns into Chidi. So then we have a nice actual Chidi Eleanor kiss for a moment, and honk, it's just honk honk, honk get on the ship, y'all. <laughs> and so she she says like, "Good job, bud. Like, did you?" Mean, and she's like so knocked off her perch, obviously. And she yeah. says, you know, did you mean all that stuff or did you say it because the world was ending? And he's like, I want to play this cool. Kind of want to be sexy. No, can't be sexy. I've ruined it because saying the word sexy is not sexy. She's like, Ugh, you know, just <laughs> takes him and kisses him again. Oh, because, my God. Like, he's so cute. He's so adorable. Oh, my TV husband, William Jackson Harper. No, it's not William Jackson Harper. He's a real person. It's Cheaty. <laughs> Cheaty is my TV husband. So... Michael is about to marbleize Janet, but then she instantly like steps back, like, no, 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 I'm okay now. I'm okay. Yeah. But the, the human... kiss has righted the ship and Yeah. It's very um it's very uh the amber spyglass. <laughs> you know, Will and Lyra hook up and then the entire world writes itself. Spoilers for the Amber Spyglass. You should read it anyway. Anyway. So then she goes, Wait, uh, the humans are themselves again and I like can't keep them down and then she barfs <laughs> she barfs all four of them out and then immediately the, the you know Michael's like oh you're safe and then the alarm goes off and he's like from the last scary thing <laughs> yeah now it's time for the new scary thing and it turns out Neil hit the alarm because of their interdimensional fugitives so he says like Nobody's gotten to the good place in 500 years and we have no plan and nobody's coming to save us. So I'm going to do it. So he knocks the cake. So there was like this birthday party happening in the accounting office and Neil was like super into getting a corner piece of the cake. I feel you. I feel you. I know. So Neil is standing there holding the cake and Michael like knocks it over and Neil's like corner (laughs) piece (laughs) as like a, as like a distraction for the six of them to run to the room where they had seen all of these files being pneumatic tubed into the bad place. But there's also a pneumatic tube for the good place. Yeah. We didn't really talk about that. It was like when they're looking at Doug Forsett's file, one of the things that, um, that Neil points out is that there's like a pneumatic tube to either the good place or the bad place. And if somebody is going to the good place, then their files get sucked up into the tube into the good place. And likewise for the bad place. But as we find out, uh, there's like a whole mess of people going to the bad place and nobody's going to the good place. Right. So Michael's like, who's going to volunteer to do something um, that could possibly, you know, end your life or whatever. And Jason's like, yeah, that's most of the things I did. Like, so <laughs> Jason's like, that's my boy. All right. Step come on. on he pneumatic tubes Jason to this tube that's supposed to take in paper. He pneumatic tubes Jason. Nothing happens. And Michael's like, okay, I guess, you know. <laughs> so he sends all of them. I don't know who pushes the button for the last one. Or, I mean, I noticed Janet was the last to come through. So maybe she was able to just blink her way there. I'm not totally maybe, clear yeah. on that. So they come out of this. Yeah, you, you, I wouldn't have called it this, but you're correct. They come out of this thing that's like a dumbwaiter in, in the corner of this like very, it looks like a, a room out of like a BBC set for like Pride and Prejudice or something. Yeah, it lo- a very old, stately 
like drawing room or whatever. Like, a- and there's nobody there, um, and there's just sort of papers on the table, but there's nobody there. And Eleanor's like, "Where are we?" And Michael's like, "We're in the good place." And Eleanor's like, "You've lied to us a lot, and over the last three hundred years, man." It's so like, "Where the fork are we?" And Michael looks at her to be like, "Did you hear the words that just came out of your mouth?" And she's like, "Fork, shirt." Ashhole, oh, holy forking shirt balls were in the good place. Boom, cut to black. Yay! Oh my god, what a wonderful episode. Yeah, this was this was the this is the best episode of the season. I agree. I agree. This episode is great. This episode, I think, it's like they were kind of saving it. They were like yeah. saving their juice for this part of the season. I still kind of feel like. This season as a whole, the pacing wasn't stellar. Yeah. Like, there were still some early parts of the season that I'm like, I don't know if we really needed that. It dragged a little bit. I didn't need so much time with them, you know, kind of doing all this stuff. But now that we're kind of... I think, you know, it's just being earthbound is really strange for this show. But now we've left it all behind. They are dead again. Hooray! Yeah. Yeah. They're dead and they are Darcy Carton. <laughs> or they were. Yes. yes. Uh, so, okay. First, Darcy Carton for all the Emmys. All of them. Every single one of them. Um, I mentioned this before we started recording, but uh, this, uh, you had pointed out that last week's or two weeks ago, that episode was supposed to be the mid-season break, but they put this one in kind of under the wire. And in the Good Place podcast, one of the writers that they interviewed said that one of the reasons they did that was so that Darcy Carton could be sort of considered for award season that's coming up, which I think she deserves for her Jason best actor and best actress because she (laughs) plays a guy. Yes. Two guys. Right. Um, For her, for her Jason alone, I think she deserves. Um, So should I get into like some of the mechanics of this episode? Yeah, please. Because I, I, it was fascinating to me. Um, it was like incredibly, it seemed incredibly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just a bonkers film situation. And um, so Vulture had a really good article on like how they came up with the concept of them like all being in the Janet void and then like how they actually filmed it. So... Michael Schur says the reason to do this isn't to have Darcy run around and goof off as her castmates. The reason to do it is Eleanor is literally asking herself, who am I and what version of, of me am I right now? And so that kind of gives them like this space to play with like the self and all that stuff. And you alluded to this before, but they did like a whole bunch of Darcy Carton specifically did a whole bunch of work in advance. So They said to help Carden nail her impression of each Good Place character, her co-stars recorded video footage of how they'd play the scenes. So what I heard in the in the podcast today was that they basically did like a staged table read kind of. So like Mm. each of the cast members had their script with them, but they were standing around and kind of blocking a little bit. And somebody recorded that and then they sound mixed it and they gave it to Darcy Carden. And she also had recorded a rehearsal uh, on her iPhone. So she had like a couple versions of it. And so she she said, because they interviewed her for the podcast, she said they took a week hiatus for her, like a filming so that she could kind of like, you know, just kind of practice. 
And she said for the two weeks of like the hiatus and then filming, she didn't listen to any music. She didn't listen to any podcasts or anything else. She just listened to that tape over and over and over again, like that recording. I have to say there were a couple of times where I was like, did they dub over using the real actor's voice? Specifically with Eleanor, she sounded so much like Eleanor that I was like... This is this is a cheat. And then it's like, no, no, no. That's no, Darcy no. Carden pretending to be Kristen Bell. Yeah, it's her. Um, and so she, like, listened to their voices for, like, two weeks straight, essentially. And her poor husband was probably like, can we put something else on the Sonos, please? So the other thing I found out, uh, I read a whole bunch of articles, and her husband's name is Jason. Oh, that's... <laughs> so she's like, yeah, my my, like ex-husband on this show and my real husband in real life are both named Jason. And also we have Jason Manzoukas who plays Oh yeah. Derek. Which I'm a little surprised we didn't run into Derek in the void, but he's not there. He's in Oh Mindy's. that's right, he's in Mindy's. So that was sort of like the process of her kind of getting into each character. They also so Ted Danson was like, let's be on set for you. And she was like, no, I don't want that because that's like kind of awkward me like doing an impression of all these people in front of them. But they were on standby. They basically were told, like, if we need you to come in, you have to be available. So they Mm -hmm. were on standby uh, in case she got stuck. So uh, William Jackson Harper typed out his lines uh, for Darcy Carden in the way that he does when he's memorizing his. And she said when they were doing the table read and he she had to or he had to do that whole thing about John Locke and like uh, David Hume and like bundled theory of the self. She was like, Oh man, he's got a lot to memorize. And then she was like, Oh no, it's me. I have to memorize it. <laughs> and, oh my God. It, can I tell you how amazing th- this is how amazing this show is and how amazing these actors are that it has never occurred to me before this moment that like William Jackson Harper's not a philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> and it's he so has true. to like, and he has to like pretend pretend yeah. to be a like a PhD and a professor in this subject that is like very obscure and difficult. Yes, and Manny Jacinto apparently also emailed Darcy with something that quote something that inspires him when he's playing Jason, but it was not specific as to what that is. So we can guess. <laughs> like, is it a, a butt tattoo that says Jason? <laughs> because uh, um, so then. Uh, In terms of actually filming, the scenes themselves were carefully scripted and blocked to ensure that... So they brought in five different doubles who were all Darcy Carden's, like, basically her body structure and her height. And they put the Janet wigs on them. So they had, like, all these, like, Janet doubles walking around. So that if somebody, like, if she was filming and then there was, like, her from the other side, that was a double, right? And then, like, basically, they had to shoot all these different scenes, like, a million different times to get every single version of her. And, like, if, if, if you know, Cheaty Janet is talking, then to get that down and then to also get all the other Janet's reactions to what he's saying in the same amount of time. Like, it just seemed like a completely Herculean task. And they were doing well, it as, all- as Mike Schur said like they did it on orphan black and it works really well. So it's like, it's totally possible to do. Yeah. It's just very difficult. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really difficult. And apparently like, you know, Darcy Carden was talking about like what a wonderful opportunity it was and like how everybody on set just like brought their a game. And she was like very appreciative of all them. And because like, she's like, you know, everything had to be so tightly scripted. Like we couldn't improv as much because, 
like you'd have to go back and reset and get everybody else's reactions and all that kind of stuff. So like mm. every every like line had to be And that's pretty... hard for her because she's she's UCB. Yeah, she's a she's an improviser. So they they had to all be like and she was she had to like change in and out of costumes and she was like in and out in 30 seconds or a minute she said like just like you know they had her in like a broom closet like changing or whatever and she said that she um as a as like a thank you to everybody like as like a little crew appreciation thing hired a an ice cream sandwich truck to like come to set and like <laughs> get ice cream sandwiches to everybody which like is amazing it's also, it shows you what kind of person she is that, like, yeah. she has the hardest job. Like, no offense, the the gaffer. I, I know that you have a hard job, too. But, like, she arguably has the hardest job on set, but she's the one who feels like she owes it to other people to do something for them. Like, Yeah, I would recommend listening to the episode because she was just so, like, she was just like, this is such an amazing group of people. And Mike Schur is incredible. And everybody just got it done and and i mean and the the from a technical perspective like this was incredible like you can't it's so seamless when you watch it it's like it's like there are five of her you know which is and and they also talked about the kissing scene and she said there was a long pole with a literal pair of lips on it like plastic lips but it was exactly at my lip height and it was on and it was on a lazy susan that was controlled by some dude (laughs) Um, And she said, I had to sort of hug the air and kiss the lips that would start spinning, but I couldn't smile or laugh. The kissing was one of the funniest, wildest parts because I had to kiss Kristen Bell, but it had to match exactly the head tilt and every inch of us had to match. So like, oh my God, she was saying, so like she was kissing like a pole and then, and then they had like, this is like on, um. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She's talking about practicing kissing on a potato. Yeah. And then then Kristen comes in and she said it was like the least sexual ex- like kissing experience of their <laughs> lives. Because they had to, you have to stand there for like five minutes while everybody around you like gets the set up and running properly. And like the director is standing there going like, okay, tilt your head slightly this. <laughs> And like this, so she said they were like laughing into each other's mouths because they had to like stand there. Oh my god! Oh so, my god! Like, what did you do at work today, honey? Why non-sexually kiss Kristen Bell for thirty minutes? Look, that's a better day at work than any of us have. Yeah, that is like true. Any day. That is true. Uh-huh. I have to say, I'm such a sucker. That particular piece of cinematography, which gets occasionally used in TV and film, mm-hmm. where the two people come in for the kiss and the camera swirls around them, yeah, is like one of my favorite things that can happen. So on the actors film. were on a lazy Susan. Right, they so it were was spinning. actually the camera was stationary. Yeah. Normally, you can't get away with that because you're not in a featureless void. Right, right. But that's <laughs> so, what I mean. Like, yeah. normally, you have the camera go around the actors on a track or whatever, but because they were in essentially like a white room, like a white featureless studio, right. they had the actors on a lip. So it's not just that you have to stand there for five minutes like with your lips pressed against the other person's <laughs> lips. You're rotating on a... So they said it was like this totally... Just, like, completely sexless experience of, like, <laughs> you know, it's, like, and action. And then you'd hear, like, the whir of, like, the machinery going around. Uh, uh, <laughs> and all the cameras. She did say, though, because they talked about the monologue. And she did say that almost every time she read the monologue, she cried. 
So like mm. when they uh, when they were filming the monologue, she cried, and she actually like had to pull herself together because she was like, "I don't think Chidi would cry." So no, I he wouldn't. So Isn't I can't funny? cry, but she like wanted to cry <laughs> every time. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, but that's why she's an actor, and she's we are an just stupid podcasters. Just on a lazy Susan. <laughs> So I mean, so, we have so much more to talk about. You can't keep recapping the Good Place. No, podcast. no, no, no. That's it. But I just I thought that was I wanted to talk about the making of this episode. We normally don't, but uh, I thought because of all the technical stuff, it was just really interesting. It is extremely interesting. Okay, now you talk about what. You oh, want to talk about. Um, well, it depends what we want to talk about. I, I think the most pressing question for me, of course, is like. WTF is happening with um with the good place. Great question. <laughs> um so Mindy St. Clair is a thing and um mm-hmm. she's supposed to be back this season at some point. And she is in a medium place. So she's so... like the best person. No, that is not possible. That is not possible that she is the best person in the last 521 years. So like what the fork is going on? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it was really, like, it is notable that there was no one in the room when they got there. Like, Yeah, it does seem as though, like, maybe the good place is, like, an abandoned out. theme park. Yeah. Like, people have <laughs> peaced out. Like, like what's that? It's like in Dogma, where, like, God is gone. Right? right. And they I mean, don't it turns know. out God is just playing skee-ball. But... but, yes. But, like, is God playing skee-ball in this version? Like... Has but but they got it to the good place got it together enough to help create Mindy's medium place right so Mindy is the monkey wrench in the works as far as I'm concerned with all of this like if Mindy didn't exist then this would be a fairly straightforward like you know God is gone situation <laughs> angels are gone they've all you know gone to Tahiti or whatever mm-hmm. but the fact that we saw a good place employee on Mindy's orientation video and that the good place showed up to help create Mindy's medium place means that like, it's not totally that nobody's minding the store. So like what the fork is happening? Well, and also uh, Neil talks about a committee. So like he didn't he, say, but there's no guarantee that he has seen anybody from this committee in the last half a millennium. I don't know. No, I'm just saying he, he, he knows of a committee. No, but there's no guarantee that he has ever met anybody from this committee or that he is aware that they are still around in this day and age. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. maybe we'll meet somebody from it or not. But Neil doesn't really have any idea what's going on in The Good Place. Yeah, he just sort of blindly trusts it. So, I will like, say, like, we the... were pretty spot on with the accountants, by the way. Not yeah, to we pat were pretty spot on, the on with... Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't mean to take a victory lap, but I'm going to take a little one, which is that... We, pre- we correctly predicted what the accounts would be like, and we correctly predicted that it's not that The Good Place doesn't exist, because everybody who had these conspiracy theories, The Good Place doesn't exist. And we were like, no, it exists. It just is, like, not taking people anymore for some yeah. reason. Yeah. And we were uh, a correct. Yeah. We said, like, 100 years, so we were off by a little bit, but, yeah, you know, What's 100 for- years in the course of all human existence? Right. Og and Grog with their rock. <laughs> um uh, Chris pointed out that this means that the I think he pointed out that this means that the um, the bit that Michael said about Abraham Lincoln going to the good place is obviously not correct. Yeah, uh, pe- that's true. People were trying to figure out like, oh, who died in 1497? Like, I wouldn't get too hung up on that. So this is what Mike Schur has to say about that. The question of so Schur says the question of why no one this is also from Vulture. 
The question of why no one has gotten into the good place in 521 years will be answered in the next episode. So we have to wait until like January. But like so many other small details on the show, the specific length of time wasn't an arbitrary choice. He says, we sort of figured out or figured that once the world was a closed loop, once exploration moved from Western Europe and had moved across the ocean, after that moment, it was essentially impossible for anyone to get in by the criteria that we had set up. Okay, I didn't read that. That's crazy. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's nuts. What does that mean? What? I have no idea. I mean, maybe it is. Do you think this is like uh, a little uh, critique of colonization? Well, it could be a critique of colonialism, but like, why would that then preclude all of the Native Americans who have not yet met explorers living in like modern day Seattle from getting into the good place? You know what I mean? Like, no, uh, America is a big place. In 1497, there were plenty of of Native Americans who had never met a white person, so... Or plenty of people in Africa, yeah. Oh, sure, certainly Africa, sure. So that means something is... Something's going on. Yeah. What is it? Uh, I I don't know. (sighs) So, Michael took the book of Doug. So, it contains the information for Doug Forsett and Donkey Doug and Doug Shellstrap. Yes, your husband IM'd me about that earlier today. And I was like, oh my god, you're right. The next episode is called The Book of Dugs. The one after that is called Cheaty Sees the Time Knife. Sure, ominous. It is very ominous. That's like the subtle knife. (laughs) Yes. And then the final, the episode finale is called Pandemonium. Oh, Jesus. I know. I feel like things are about to get worse before they get better. And we should say that The Good Place is renewed for season four. Yay! I have the very strong sense, and I'm sure you do too, that this is going to be the final season. Four? Yeah. Yeah, four is going to be the final season. Because it's not like Friends where you can just be like, go <laughs> And on then these forever. two people hooked up. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this show is say is trying to say something. And I think at the end of the fourth season, they will have said what they're going to say. Um, and also... Um, I, the truth is that this is an expensive show to make that doesn't pull down very much audience share. So Mm -hmm. NBC keeps it around for other reasons. If I had to speculate what those reasons are, they would be first and foremost that it is kind of a, uh, an awards darling. And so it, it garners the network kind of um, like that sort of veneer of respectability that they have these like high concept shows that win awards Secondarily, Mike Schur has been a cash cow for them for the last, you know, almost two decades or something. And they don't want to make him mad. (laughs) But uh, there's no way that they're going to keep funding this for, you know, ad infinitum. I think season four is going to be the the end. Also, I mean, Jamila Jamil just got cast on another show as a voice actor for like Disney, a, a Disney animated show. Yeah, but I think a lot of people who do Disney animated shows have a lot on their plate. And this is just, I mean, you literally record those things from home. No, I just, I was going to like list off people, but like, you know, Kristen Bell has a, you know, she's in Frozen 2. She will have a movie career. I I mean, I I think that to keep people, um, I know Darcy Carden has a couple other shows that she's on. Uh, she's on an HBO show. She also does um, Broad City, although that's ending. But like, so I think to 
lock these people into another. Although, actually, Jamil Jamil said that she signed a seven-year deal. They all did. They all signed a seven-year deal, but I guess, yeah. So maybe maybe I'm wrong because I was. They could say, keep like, going. Also, I just don't think that they're going to. I don't think so either. I think season four is probably the last one. Should we talk about the good ship Chelinor? Hong Kong, Hong Kong, everybody on board. So I know that Mike Schur said I read in. I may have been the Vulture piece. I'm not sure. I read somewhere that Mike Schur said that it's definitely going to be the rest of the season, which is only three episodes. The rest of the season is definitely going to be hashtag Chelinor. And I think he said like, yeah, the gushiness quotient it's is pretty gooey. high. Yeah, it's really. Gooey. Which I was like, yes, give me my poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the writers are Chelinor shippers too. Which Good. is adorable. They are intergalactic soulmates. <laughs> Interdimensional soulmates. Whatever. Whatever. It's, I mean, it's probably intergalactic, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, They're so adorable, I, I can't know. even. I know. They just... It's pretty amazing to me that, like, their love fixes, you know, the void, right? They, they're just adorable. And and they keep finding each other over and over and over again. Remember, their love is the reason that um, Eleanor passes that test that Jen gives her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they really do make each other better. I think that's, like, one of the nicest things about their relationship. It's like, they just, they make each other, they make each other better. Although they, you know, I had a point in the notes about how, like, you know... I was annoyed at Chidi and, and Eleanor was annoyed at Chidi in this episode for like hiding behind philosophy as to like why, why their love couldn't have been like, why she couldn't have why been Why it's irrelevant to their current irrelevant. And, you know, she did the same thing like two or three episodes ago, but just with a different philosophical argument. She did the same thing. Yeah, and Michael was Michael was the one who was like, you're an idiot. Who poured, <laughs> like, a, I'm gonna... who poured an iced tea over her head. Yeah. So this was Eleanor's chance to be like, I'm going to pour iced tea on you, kind of. But um, I thought it was really nice to hear. I think because Eleanor is our de facto like main character, like our point of view character, kind of, mm-hmm. we get her. She's much more like active in the like saying how she feels and talking about the relationship. And he's usually the recipient. And the fact that that monologue like the thing that struck me about it was like that was all him trying to be there for her and like taking a more active role and like not like it was the almost the same as the last time he kissed her in the judges chambers right like he just yeah someone one of the reviewers said their first real kiss and i was like no it's not (laughs) the first real kiss with the end of season two you know but this was him be you know taking the reins and getting over himself a little bit which is good he needs to do that yes that's and that's how she makes him better yeah honk honk so i I guess the only thing left to talk about well we can talk about the accounts or we can talk about the emails we got uh do you want to talk about the accounts like what uh other than we were kind of right about about them last time a little bit like you know sort of the banality of bureaucratic evil (laughs) like they obviously do not give a fork that no humans are getting into the good place the fact that Stephen Merchant, like, typed into his computer to figure out when the last time was somebody got in shows how little they care 
Yeah. It should have been immediately obvious to him, like, oh, actually, no one's been let in in a long time. I might have to look up the exact date for you, but it's been, like, hundreds of years, you know? But, like, that's not his response. His response is like, oh, tippity-tappity-tippity-tippity. Like, he should know, but he doesn't because he doesn't care. Yeah. And he just, he, it's very much like, well, them's the breaks. Like, that's how it, that's how the cookie crumbles. The system's infallible. Right. Yeah. So, like, I guess nobody's been... There's nobody, there's no accountant on the inside, at least that we've seen so far, who is like, wait a second, like, this is wrong. They're all just like, yep, just going along with my day with my Apple IIe and the cake in the conference room. (laughs) Oh, it didn't even look like an Apple IIe. It wasn't even sophisticated enough for that. Yeah, I mean, they just all, it's its like they've been given this function and they have forgotten what the point of it is and that there are actual human beings on the other end of it. And, yeah. you know, it's, Which like, is, it's almost like I mean, Ender's Gamey or something, you know what I mean? It or is like a, the, um, it, yeah, it is a little Ender's Game, although Ender didn't know that the game wasn't. The, the, so what the, I'm making a reference was to is that in Ender's Game, they they train children to be like remote soldiers, yeah, by basically making them really good at a video game. So okay, but, maybe it's more like they, the, it's like those they gold don't people in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, yes, yes. In Guardians um, of the Galaxy two, there are these like advanced aliens who are gold for some reason, and they have these like virtual ships that they pilot remotely, and they are aiming definitely aiming to kill. Yeah. And uh, it's like they don't, there's no consequences to them. They're not physically there. Yeah. And they don't seem to, it doesn't seem to penetrate their skulls at all that, uh, you know, there are people who have actual skin on the game on the other side of their guns. Yeah. I mean, or the the less like sci-fi version of it is just like anybody who's sold anybody a subprime mortgage. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, anybody who like sold anybody a a really bad loan anybody who's ever like sold anybody like a really bad insurance plan anybody who's sort of like been involved in like a pyramid scheme or whatever like but i I think probably the subprime mortgage is like the the scientologists (laughs) yeah like anybody who is just like well this is my job or like you know there was that bank that or, got frankly co- eleanor in eleanor's job selling fake yes! medicine to old people oh my god you're right it's like <laughs> eleanor yeah like eleanor is just like i don't care like this is my job like whatever where's my cubicle like that's what all that's a great point because it's kind of coming full circle it's like this is how she was on earth and how all of her coworkers were on earth and she had like a boss that clearly didn't care that what he was doing was unethical and she was just like whatever man it's like a way to make a buck and here they're all just like okay whatever like it's the same thing yeah you could argue the accountants are a little more trapped because if we assume that they're like the demons and what we've heard about the demon existence like there's nowhere for them to go they don't have lives outside of this they are just stuck in this office doing this horrible job for all eternity i mean given the choice between this or being a demon you might almost choose to be a demon because that would at least have some variety to it which sounds terrible but like if you are the american coins accountant (laughs) that and you're sitting in a cubicle all day in front of a computer. That sounds, frankly, worse to me 
than being the demon who is like the stretcher, the guy, the, the, the mailman who stretches people or twists. Sorry, he twists people. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. No, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I, I figured it wasn't quite right. And, and, <laughs> and like, I, I instantly regret this. I do. And, I, and, I, and I'll just say that, of course, where my brain went when he said nobody's gotten in in 521 years, my brain was like, okay, in order for me to survive watching this show, I have to have a reality where in this show, if you are a minor child, your spirit is assumed into the void when you die. <laughs> right? Like, yes, these are adults being tortured, not children. Children are not being <laughs> tortured. It's okay. The children's souls just evaporate and non-beingness is preferable to eternal torture. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I, they don't touch I literally could at not all. I couldn't I could not bring my brain to consider the alternative. Yeah, they don't really talk about children at all on this show. They that's very intentional from the beginning. They have yeah. never depicted any children. Although one of the, Eleanor does become a kid at some point in her little cycling that's through right. person. She's like a teenager. But um they never talk about kids, they never show kids because they know it is unbearable to think about children yeah. being tortured. So they're just like in this let's just all let's just all hold hands and pretend that children are immortal (laughs) like let's not go there which is the right decision but i then have to sometimes be very purposeful about okay no children (laughs) no children no children no children yeah like that mountain goat song i don't know what you're talking about there's a mountain goat song called no children so okay um, we kind of talked about Chris's email. Where... Can I say my thing about Janet? Yeah. In an earlier, Michael Schur has said that in an earlier script version of the show, Janet was a kiosk in the, <laughs> in the neighborhood. So can you imagine how different the show would be if we didn't have Darcy Carton Janet, if we had a kiosk? It's, it's hard. It's honestly hard to imagine how the show would be very different. Yeah. A lot of the plot stuff that happened obviously relied on Janet being a person. So yeah. I, I don't know what would have happened. It's hard to imagine it being as successful, but who knows? Yeah, I don't think it would have worked. But I just thought that was like a little fun. I was like, oh, they couldn't do this. They couldn't do a lot of what they've done, but they they especially couldn't do this if Janet was a kiosk. Yeah. Anyway. So we really we really covered Chris's email Yeah. Um, about Lincoln and blah, 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 this, that, the other thing. Um, Trifton had emailed in, I got to scroll. Here we go. Um, you know, complimenting Janet on her fight scene from the last episode, obviously fantastic. And, you know, he says, I'm surprised the demons could hold up at all, given that Janet knows every martial art, which is a fair point. But I think Janet just sort of before she's connected to her void or whatever, Janet just doesn't have that much physical power. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be the greatest. Well, maybe not the greatest, but you can be a really good martial artist and still, if someone is like twice your size, I think that only gets you so far. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, we have a setup for the bodiliest bottle episode. And then funny enough, it turns out not to be a bottle episode because Janet and Michael spend half of it in the uh, accounting office. So yeah. seems like it was going to be a bottle episode, but it really wasn't. It's like an open so, bottle episode. Yeah. For the rest of December, we're going to be doing these kind of goofy 
made-for-TV Christmas movies, which may or may not be your thing, which we totally get. (laughs) If you're going to check out from um, downloading the next handful of episodes, that is cool. Just, you know, I would recommend that you follow us on Twitter or possibly join the Facebook group, but I would say Twitter is probably the the better option just because... You know, um, we if anything comes up, we want to be able to tell our listeners, even the ones who are not listening to the Christmas episodes. So um, just give us a follow at the Good Play Pod. Yeah. You know, we've only got three episodes left of this season, and uh, they're actually moving time slots to 930, which I'm not super thrilled about, but that's them's the breaks. So if there's any other stuff going on like that, I would love for you guys to know what was going on. So just give us a follow at the Good Play Pod, and I will try to let everybody know of any relevant stuff that is going on. What are we doing next week? Uh, I want to do that Ghost Christmas. Ghost, guys, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> even I'm, I'm, I know you just like gave a whole spiel about how it's fine if you don't listen to the like non Good Place episodes that we do. I don't care if you don't watch Lifetime or Hallmark Christmas movies. I don't care if you're like... If you don't celebrate Christmas. (laughs) If you're like hashtag not into it, you are going to want to listen to this episode. I am telling you, this movie (laughs) is the most Bananarama thing I think we've ever watched. Oh, it's up there. I I would say it's this and that that sci-fi channel original movie, Last Man on Planet Earth. It is so, it's so crazy. And so it's, it, I, I, next week's episode is going to be a lot of fun is what I'm trying to say. It's just going to be a lot of fun. So. I mean, I certainly recommend people listen to everything we do. I'm just saying, if you are absolutely going to tune out, then follow us on Twitter. And I'm saying. Listen to us. Benches. No, absolutely follow us on Twitter. If you're going to tune out, wait until, wait for two weeks to tune out. (laughs) Stick around for next week. Okay, well, until next week, Corner Peace! <laughs> we will see you in the good place, ding dongs. Knock, knock, knock.